Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 28 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the monthly video log that went out in September 2022. A huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. And if you like the content that I create and you want to support the channel directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to the Gaming Rules monthly video log for September 2022. In this video log, I'm going to be talking about all of the games that I've been playing since the last video log. So it actually covers a period from August the 4th through to August the 7th. I'm recording this video on Friday the 9th of September. I'm going to probably edit it this weekend and it will go live early next week. So there's actually going to be a couple of games that I'm going to be playing, well, tonight for a start. Um, which are not going to be covered in this video log, even though this video log is going to go out after I've played those games. It's all very confusing. Um, I'm also going to be talking about the Patreon update, what's happening with the channel, various things that I'm looking forward to in the next few weeks, uh, and a whole host of other stuff. So before we go on, just a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for funding the channel. Uh, for those of you watching this who don't know, I rely on the financial support of the Patreon campaign in order to keep the channel going and to take time off the paid work in order to create videos like this and a lot of the other content that I create. Uh, we'll talk more about the Patreon campaign later on, but if you are in a position to be able to support me and help keep the channel going, that is very much appreciated. And a big thank you to all of my current Patreon supporters for making this video possible. Right, first thing we're going to do is talk about all of the games that I've been playing and I'm going to mix it up a little bit this month. When I was putting in all of the list of games, I normally talk about them in chronological order. But I found recently that that gets a little bit confusing, where I've played a game three or four times over the month, that I kind of, well, when do I talk about it? Do I talk about it at the start or do I talk about it at the end? So this month, just for something different, and I'd like to hear your feedback, I'm going to do them in alphabetical order. So I've got a list of games on screen of all of all of the ones that I've played, and these are going to be in alphabetical order. I don't personally think it actually matters that I say, oh, I played this on Thursday, the 17th of whatever. Um, you just want to hear about the game. So yeah, let me know what you think, whether alphabetical order works better, or whether you'd prefer them in chronological order, or whether it doesn't actually matter. Right, the first one is Amsterdam. So Amsterdam is part of the new Steffenfeld Queen Games collection. Uh, sorry, part of the new Steffenfeld City Collection from Queen Games. Amsterdam is the second one in the series and is a re-implementation of Macau. Now, before we start talking about all of the City games, because I've played quite a few of them and I'm going to be playing Marrakesh twice today, uh, let me just um, be fully transparent on this. Queen Games have sponsored me to create videos on the game. I'm a huge fan of Steffenfeld. He's the designer which I have the most games of in my collection. He's very high up there. I don't actually have a list of, you know, my number one favourite designer, my number two favourite designer. I have a list of favourite designers. Steffenfeld has been in there for the last 15 years. Absolutely love his games. Got, as I say, more of his games than anybody else. Um, and when Queen Games contacted me and said, Paul, we know you're a fan of Steffenfeld games. We're doing this new thing. We're doing a city collection we'd like to hire you to effectively create videos for all of the new games in this city collection. But I'm not going to say no to that. I mean, this is this is my full-time job. Uh, and, and doing a job for games that I know I'm going to enjoy is a no-brainer. Um, so yeah, so just, just take that into account whenever I'm talking about any of the Steffenfeld City Collection games from Queen Games that I have been sponsored to create videos for the games. Anyway, Amsterdam re-implementation of Macau. So uh, Macau is one of those games which was very highly respected 
and very, very hard to get hold of. In fact, that's what Queen Games have done. They've taken games which are out of print, very hard to get hold of, uh, very well liked, but what they've done is they've been working with Stefan and they've been re-implementing them, not just with a new name uh, and new artwork and everything else, but they've been tweaking the game a little bit. Uh, now, the jury is out on whether Macau or Amsterdam is a better game. Personally, I like the tweaks that they've made in Amsterdam to Macau, uh, but I know a lot of people who are massive fans of Macau who say Macau is a perfect game and doesn't need changing, they might not like some of the changes in the new edition of the game. But anyway, uh, Amsterdam certainly scratches the same itch uh, as it has mostly the same mechanisms, but as I say, there's a few bits extra uh, that have been put on there. So I've played it twice in the, in the last month. Uh, one of those videos was a live stream. So if you're interested in learning how to play Amsterdam or seeing the game played out, then there is a video on the channel right now. It's 12 rounds. And the first three rounds, you do hardly anything. I mean, the first round of the game that we played, I did nothing. I have one cube, I saved that one cube, that was it. But later on in the game, when you start to get to rounds eight and upwards, you end up with lots of cubes and you're able to do lots of things. So it's very much a bit of an engine building game where you will start off very slow in the first few rounds, but then it's the last few rounds that, that really matter. Anyway, that's Amsterdam, played it twice. Uh, very much enjoy it and we'll look to playing it again. Next one is Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. Um, this was an accidental playthrough <laughs> in that uh, last weekend, I think, uh, yeah, I had a few people over on Saturday. Adrian came over in the evening. We played uh, Sabika, which is up there. Um, and then we had a bit of time. We had about an hour. Um, and we thought, well, hang on a minute. Let's play Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. So for those people who don't know, I have spoken about this many times over the last few years and although I don't cover it on the channel that often, in fact hardly ever, um, it is my favourite two-player deck building dueling card game. I say deck building, it's a deck construction game. It's one of those games like a TCG or an LCG where you build your deck beforehand and then you play the game with it. Uh, and it's not just two-player, there are multiplayer rules as well, but Ashes for me is the best of them uh, and I absolutely love it and I don't get to play it anywhere near enough uh, and Adrian's comes from a Magic the Gathering background, so I thought, oh, let, let, let's get a game of Ashes played. So yeah, we played a game of Ashes, again, just with the starter decks. I've only ever played, I've probably played Ashes maybe 30, 40 times in my life, and only one of those was Constructed. And the Constructed format I personally didn't really like, and that is because... The Constructed format was, was too, oh, I'm going to do this, do this, do this, you're dead within two turns. I, I like the starter decks. I think the starter decks make for a good game, and yeah, they're not they're not perfectly balanced, and they're not perfectly tuned, uh, but I, I like just playing Ashes with the starter deck. So that's Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. Next up, Batman Gotham City Chronicles. I did a playthrough of this this week. It's on the channel now, and it features the solo stroke co-op mode. Now, a number of people are saying, well, hang on a minute, is it a solo mode or is it a co-op mode? It's the same, right? The solo mode and the cooperative mode for Batman Gotham City Chronicles is exactly the same mode. It's basically a way of automating the AI so that you can play it solo or you can play it cooperative. It, it, it's the same rules. Um, I got together with Jason Keeping, who is the designer of the new solo mode, uh, and we covered that. So if you're interested in seeing how the solo game works of Batman Gotham City Chronicles, you can check that out. Now, as a solo gamer myself, I do play a lot of solo games, um, I have to respect the amount of work that Jason has put into the design of the solo mode because it isn't just, oh, here's some automated rules for running the villain player. It is, here's some automated rules for running the villain player for this specific mission. He's had to go through, because of the nature of the game and because it's very mission-based 
and uh, the objectives and what the villain does in each of the missions is different. He's had to customise every single mission of the game for solo play. And he's played 200 games of this over the last couple of years to tweak and balance uh, his solo mode. So yeah, it isn't just, oh, we've got the solo mode, right, now let's just grab a random mission and play it. You have to use Jason's special rules for that mission for solo play, which includes specific cards so that the villains do specific things uh, and what they're actually trying to achieve in the game. It's very clever, it's very well done, and if you want to see it played out, as I say, the video is on the channel now. It was a very enjoyable game and it was very close, and almost every time I play Batman Gotham City Chronicles, even though it's completely outside of my normal wheelhouse of, you know, no dice for resolution uh, cube pushing Euros, it's very tense, it's very exciting, and it does have uh, a lot of very important decisions in the game. Sure, it's got lots of dice, and those dice can go you know, with you or against you, and in any game like that, if you have a run of dice which are completely with you, it will turn out better, and if you have a complete uh, if you have a run of dice which are completely against you, but that's just the nature of, of dice games. Thankfully, our game, uh, and I'll leave you to watch the video if you want to without spoiling the result, but we had a lot of good results and a lot of bad results, so it kind of balances each other out. Right, next up, uh, Carpe Diem. Played Carpe Diem twice. This isn't on the channel. This is one of the few games that I've played in the last month uh, which isn't actually on the channel. It was almost going to be on the channel. So, a few weeks ago, I was scheduled to do uh, a live playthrough of Hamburg, which is the first game in the Steffenfeld City Collection. I assume that's on my list. It is on my list. Um, but the game hadn't arrived. There was problems with the delivery and it was looking likely that the game wasn't going to arrive. So it was all planned. Nick and Gemma were coming around on the Friday night. We were going to play Hamburg. The video had been created, ready, and I was sat here waiting for the game. And on the Thursday, it hadn't arrived. So suddenly, I needed a backup plan. So what I did is I went through my games collection of all of the games that I've been wanting to play over the last, well, you know, all of the games that I've got, which I haven't yet played, uh, and I came across Carpe Diem. Now, a former patron supporter of mine, Andrew, had been um, not quite harassing me, <laughs> but in a joking way, many, many times over the last year and a half where I've been posting my plans for the week and what games are you looking forward to, Andrew would always say, when are you going to play Carpe Diem? So he's been mentioning this to me quite a lot over the last couple of years, and I thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get it done. We're actually going to do it. So I got Carpe Diem out. Uh, I learned how to play the game. I played a practice game of it on Tabletop Simulator. And then on the Thursday night at the Cranbrook Games, Gr uh, Cranbrook Games Group, uh, I took Carpe Diem to basically practice playing it, practice teaching other, player, other players ready for the live stream on the Friday night. And then on the Friday morning, Hamburg turned up. Uh, so we cancelled the Carpe Diem stream and we went back to Plan A, which was, which was Hamburg. So he didn't get covered on the channel, but I have played Carpe Diem now. And what did I think of it? Well, I didn't know much about Carpe Diem other than there was a first edition that came out that a lot of people had issues with, uh, the graphic design. And I believe there was some problem with the way that the workers moved in the middle of the board that they actually released a sort of updated set of rules and changed that very soon after it came out, which I always thought was a little bit odd. Uh, and then there's the new version with an updated graphic design, and that's the version that I played. Um, I enjoyed it. Now, Carpe Diem is one of the lighter Steffenfeld games. I enjoyed the mechanisms of the game, um, but, all, but one thing that I really liked is the way that the scoring system worked. The scoring system is a basically an array of cards, and during the game, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be putting your scoring markers 
between two of those cards and then scoring both of those cards. Uh, and if you can't achieve the condition of a card, you lose points. It's a really, really clever scoring mechanism that I've never seen before. So I've enjoyed my plays of Carpe Diem and I'd definitely play it again. Next up is Czech Games Editions Deal with the Devil. You can see I've got a box behind me there that is an advanced prototype copy of the game, which I'm going to be using to create a how to play video. I've been working on the script this week and I'm hoping to start filming next week. Uh, and I'm hoping to get that video out before Essen. So yeah, I've been asked by Czech Games Edition to create uh, a how to play video for the game. So not a playthrough, but an actual one of my how to play videos. And I have to play it. Obviously, in order to be able to create the how to play video, I have to play the game first to see how it plays. Um, now, Deal with the Devil is by the designer of Alchemists, Matush Kotri from CGE. And there is a bit like Alchemists, which is a fairly unique game, and I have no other game like it in my collection. Deal with the Devil, I also have no other game like it in my collection. I first played a prototype of Deal with the Devil about six years ago. Um, and it's been in development for such a long time and there's been all sorts of reasons uh, why they've been uh, pushing it back. There's been a lot of development work going on with it, um, but it is a very unique game. First of all, it requires four players, exactly four players. You cannot play the game with fewer than four players. So already this is going to be uh, a niche game because a lot of people will say, oh, well, we mainly play at two players or I only get a game if I play solo mode or anything like that. No, it needs exactly four players. But the way that it works is there's a lot of hidden and secret trading, which works in an extremely clever way. And there's four players around the table. Two of them are mortals, one of them is a cultist, and one of them is the devil. And you don't know who's who. But what happens in the game is you're going to be doing these secret deals where you put certain items inside a chest, and then you the, the chests are all mixed up, and then it uses uh, the camera to scan in the QR code on the bottom of the chest, and the chests get given out at random. So what happens in the trading phase is you will get this chest, you open it up and you're like, oh, okay, well, they're offering me such and such a thing and they want this in return. And you decide secretly whether you want to make the trade or not. And then you put it back and then the deal, and then the chests go back and they get randomized again. And then they get given back to their original owners. So basically when you receive a chest, you don't know who it's from. You know, if you've received a chest from the devil saying, oh, well, I'll give you three pieces of glass in return for a piece of your soul, um, you can choose to make that trade, but you won't know which player is the devil. And then when the devil gets their chest back and they go, oh, whoever it was has agreed to it and I now have a piece of soul, uh, the devil doesn't know who's who around the table has agreed to it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's extremely clever in the way that it works. That is just one of the mechanisms in the game, but that's the mechanism that makes the game fairly unique. This game is going to find its audience, but that audience is not going to be as big as CGE's other new game for this year, for example. Right, next up, uh, Dune Imperium. I finally played Dune Imperium after two years of people telling me, uh, you know, Paul, you really should play Dune Imperium, it's really good. And there's no reason that I haven't played it other than too many games, not enough time. Um, it's not that I didn't think the game was going to be good because on, on, from what I heard about it, everybody was saying it was, it was brilliant and I did really want to play it. But as I said, my brain is always overloaded with the amount of games that I'm having to learn that I just never got around to it. However, uh, when I got back from Italy, uh, Tyler from America took his time out and spent the afternoon with me and taught me how to play. And I played it. Um, Tyler has been offering to teach me how to play Gene Imperium because it's, uh, very, very high on his list of favourite games. It might be his number one favourite game, I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, I, I took him up on that offer and a couple of other people, we got together, we played Dune Imperium. Just the base game, 
but we played it on Tabletop Simulator with a very scripted mod, which was an amazing scripted mod, one of the best scripted mods I've ever played. And yeah, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. Uh, and people have already started asking me, because I've played Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is a worker placement deck building game, Endless Winter, worker placement deck building game, Dune Imperium, worker placement deck building game. Which one do I prefer and are they all the same? Well, first of all, they're not all the same. There are similarities definitely between them. I mean, uh, Dune Imperium has the, oh, well, if you want to place a worker on that space, you need to use a card from your hand with an icon that matches that space. Well, that's like the travel icon in Lost Ruins of Arnak in a similar way. And also in Dune Imperium, any cards left in your hand at the end of the, uh, the round, uh, you get to resolve the secondary effects of those cards. Well, that's a little bit like Endless Winter with the Eclipse abilities. So there's some very, very striking similarities uh, between some of the mechanisms in the games. But they are all, for me, having played... Well, I've only played Dune Imperium once. I've played Endless Winter about 15 times. I've played Lost Ruins of Arnak about 30 times. I'd, I'd happily play any of them. They're all, they're all different enough. And even though they have deck building and they have worker placement in what i'm saying is they're sufficiently different that i'd happily play any of them one of them doesn't replace another one for example so i'm very keen to play some more in june imperium and i've heard that the rise of x expansion um does does make the game better so yeah we'll we'll see how we get on with that one next one on my list is dungeons and dragons dungeon scrawlers heroes of under mountain which is the winner of the award for the longest game name on this month's uh, live, uh, this month's uh, list of games that I've played. And this is a game from WizKids. And I played this. Um, it looked like it was fun. And Tom Heath from Slicker Drips has already done a playthrough of it, uh, him and Rachel. And I was going to cover it. I was going to do a solo playthrough of it. Uh, sometime last month, I, I got it all geared up. I thought, oh, I want to I give this game a go. And then I got it out and I went, oh, this, is, this doesn't have a solo mode. Ah, right, okay. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. Tom's already covered it on his channel, and Tom does lots of solo playthroughs. Checked it out on Tom's channel, and it's like, oh, no, it's, it's him and Rachel playing together. Um, so it is a game that is for two or more players. I think it takes up to four, maybe more. No, I think it's four. Um, and it, it's a silly, fun game, but it's a silly, fun game that actually works. Now, what you're doing in this game is each player basically has a map, which is a dungeon, and it's a dry wipe board and you've got a marker. And then when somebody says go, you are literally drawing on the map and you are drawing and you're going around the different corridors and you're getting treasure and you're killing monsters and you're doing this. And the way that it works is what you have to draw with your pen is different depending on what you're picking up. So if you have to kill a monster, you ha literally have to color in the entire monster. If you want to get treasure, you have to draw around the edge of the treasure. If you want to cast a spell, you have to outline the spell. So there's all sorts of different rules on what you do. And then when somebody gets to the boss and defeats the boss, they shout stop, everybody stops, and then you add up the points. Uh, and if you've, if you've crossed a wall, you lose points and things like that. So it actually works. It is on the fun side of the games, but it takes five minutes to explain. It takes like two or three minutes to play. So you can play multiple dungeons in an evening. And I enjoyed it. Now, there's 10 dungeons that come with the game. We played dungeons one, two, three, and four that night. Uh, it suggests that dungeon one is a tutorial. Uh, and after that, you actually play uh, three dungeons together and add up the points. But to be honest, you can play as many as you want. You can just play one dungeon if you just want a 10 minute game or you could play all 10 if you wanted the game to take about an hour. Um, but yeah, it, that was a lot of fun. And, I, and I'd, I'd definitely play that again. Right. Next on the list is Endless Winter. Uh, so Endless Winter in the last month, I've, I've played three times. Now, I can't really talk too much about this because... Fantasia Games have sponsored me to create the videos for the game. And as of this week, 
the last of those videos is now live. So over the last however many weeks, it, it has felt endless at times because I've struggled through a lot of uh, technical issues, computer issues, microphone issues, heatwave issues and everything else. So I've been playing an awful lot of Endless Winter and on the channel there are six videos. There's a tutorial, there's me teaching you how to play, then there's a playthrough of the base game, then there's a playthrough with the Ancestors expansion, then there's a playthrough with the Rivers and Rafts expansion, then there's a playthrough with the Cave Paintings expansion, and then this week was a live playthrough of the solo game. But they are just some of the games that I've played of it. For each of those games, we did a practice game, we did a warm-up game. The solo game I've actually played, I think, five times in total. Uh, and what you saw on the video this week was, was, was the final one that I played. So yeah, I've been playing an awful lot of Endless Winter. And as I say, because I'm professionally involved with the project, I wrote and edit the, edited all of the rulebooks for the game, and I've created all the videos. I can't really give you my personal opinion, uh, other than it is a game which I would not say no to. If anybody wanted me to play Endless Winter, I will more than happily teach them, and I'll more than happily play it. Part of that is because I have put in so much time and effort into this game that I know this game now really well. And I personally really enjoy teaching people how to play games that I know like the I mean, I could teach you Endless Winter now, every single rule of Endless Winter from start to finish without referring to any rulebook. And I'm hoping I would get them all correctly. And when I'm in that kind of sweet spot of how well I know the game, I could just get it out and teach somebody and yeah. And, and it's nice to be able to have that without having to go, oh, I can't remember this rule. Let's look that one up and things like that. So yeah, Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans, backers are getting their copies now. I believe some backers have already got their copies uh, and other people are getting their copies very soon. So if you're interested in knowing more about it, as I say, there's a whole bunch of videos on my channel, whether you're interested in the solo mode or the multiplayer mode, I've covered all of the expansions. I haven't covered the individual modules. So there's all sorts of extra little promos and modules that come with the game. Uh, Canine Familiars, Aurora Borealis, uh, the rest module, I haven't used any of those. I've just used the main, the main expansions. Okay, Hamburg is next. So Hamburg, it, alphabetical order, <laughs> but Hamburg is number one game in the Steffenfeld City Collection. And again, this video was sponsored by Queen Games and that is on the channel now. Uh, it's the first one that I did. I've, I've covered Hamburg. I've covered Amsterdam and we're going to be talking about New York City soon. And then tonight I'm going to be covering Marrakesh. So that's all four games in the Steffenfeld City Collection. They will be all on the channel as of, uh, by, by tonight, they will all be on the channel. But Hamburg was the first one that we did. And again, as mentioned earlier on, this is the game that, the video that almost never happened because it only just turned up in time. But thankfully it turned up on the Friday morning. I already knew how to play. So it was just a case of getting the game out, setting the studio up, setting up all of the cameras, Nick and Gemma came over and then we played it. So Hamburg is a re-implementation of Bruges. Now Bruges is another Steffenfeld game, which is very highly respected, very, very much out of print uh, and going for crazy prices on eBay uh, for secondhand copies of it. Uh, I did enjoy Bruges, but one of my issues with Bruges is that I didn't feel I had enough control over the cards. And the, one of the biggest rule changes in Hamburg is that instead of those cards being shuffled and split into two decks, is they're actually divided by colors. So you have full control over what cards you want. And that's really important because you can have cards that say, oh, you're gonna get one point for every brown construction area or something like that. Well, if you can't draw any brown cards, then that's gonna hurt you. Uh, and also there's a lot of combos of this game. You might have cards that say at the end of the game, score two points for every secret society card you've got. Well, the secret society cards are in a particular color. And if you can't manage to draw cards of that color, then 
you know, it's not going to work out for you. Whereas in Hamburg, the cards are all divided into their colours. So you know the Secret Society, that's the pink cards. I don't know if it is or not, but you know what I mean, the idea. So you go, well, I'm just going to draw lots of pink cards in the hope that I draw them. So yeah, in that respect, definitely fixed some of the issues that I had with Bruges. Uh, but other than that, it is mostly the same game. Now, we've only played the base game of Hamburg. There are six little modules that are included in the game. Um, definitely keen to try some of those. What's next on the list? Just one. Uh, so Just One is one of the games that I played while I was on holiday in Italy. Uh, I'll talk about this later on, but at the start of August, I went away uh, to Italy with Vicky and her family, uh, and we had uh, about a week or so. And, and while we were out there, we did play a couple of games, and Just One is one of those games that we played. Now, we didn't play Just One by the rules of the game. The rules of the game for Just One are, you're supposed to take 13 cards, and you basically play 13 turns, and that's it, and then you score at the end. We, when we're playing just one, we, we play just for fun, as, as probably most people do, I think. Um, so what we do is we just keep playing, and we keep playing until nobody wants to play anymore. And what happened is we actually played it for probably about two hours, one night. Uh, it was one night at the villa, and it was late, and we were playing it. Uh, and I'm fully aware that, you know, I, I play lots of games, and I want to play lots of games. And generally speaking, other people don't want to play lots of games. So I sometimes get the, the feeling that I'm maybe forcing people to play games because it's something I want to do. But Just One is a game that they all enjoy playing. So I actually, we played it for about two hours and every 30 minutes I was like, look, we can stop playing if you want to. We don't have to carry on playing. Oh no, no let's carry on playing. So yeah, Just One is one of those few games that I have in my collection where the whole family will, will enjoy playing it and will not want to stop playing. I think we only stopped because it was like one o'clock and people were getting tired. But yeah, fantastic Fantastic, very, very long game of just one while we were in Italy. Uh, next up, Lost Ruins of Arnak. I have one recorded play of Lost Ruins of Arnak, and that is because when I got back from Italy, I did a solo playthrough and I finished the campaign. So I have done a series of videos for Lost Ruins of Arnak on the solo campaign. These were not sponsored by Czech Games Edition. Uh, these were something that I chose to do, and my Patreon supporters uh, have been voting for the last couple of months on they wanted to see me finish the, the Lost Ruins of Arnak campaign. So I did it. There's, there's four videos on my channel now. The first one I did a long time ago, and it, it's taken me ages to get around to the others, but as soon as I'd played chapter two, I was like, this solo campaign is so good, I've got to finish this. So I then did chapter two, chapter three, and as I say, I did chapter four when I got back from Italy, and the solo campaign is brilliant. If you are a solo gamer, and you have Lost Ruins of Arnak, and you haven't played the game, then call in sick to work and play the campaign because it's just brilliant. Um, the solo game of Lost Ruins of Arnak is very good, but the solo campaign with the way that the story evolves uh, and everything about it, it's a really, really good job. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of how good the solo campaign is for Lost Ruins of Arnak. So I, I, I won't because you're probably thinking, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> Paul, Paul's gushing with love over it. Uh, well, yeah, because it, it was so good and it was brilliant. And as I say, there's four videos on my channel. If you want to see me play through the entire campaign, I actually played through uh, chapters two, three and four using the leader's expansion. So you don't need the leader's expansion to play the solo campaign, but you can if you want to. Uh, and that's what I did. So I, you're supposed to use the same character all the way through, but I actually used a different character for each of the games uh, just to experience the different characters. So I think I used the Mystic for the first one, the Captain, the Governess, 
I can't remember what I used for the last one. But yeah, they're all on the channel if you're interested in seeing those. Next up is Marrakesh, which as you can see, is here. Uh, now Marrakesh arrived with the big bundle of Steffenfeld City Collection games from Queen Games, and I'm doing a video on it tonight actually, so I'm getting another practice game of it in this afternoon. Then I'm going to be doing a live stream of it tonight, which will already be on the channel by the time that this vlog goes out. But last Saturday uh, I did a practice game of it, so I got friends over last Saturday, and the idea was that I needed to basically relearn how to play Marrakesh, because I had played it before, before the Kickstarter campaign went, I did a live playthrough using Tabletop Simulator, and that was my only one previous game of it. Uh, and since then, the game has been tweaked a little bit, they've developed it a tiny bit, and they've changed a couple of the parts of it. So if you watch that video of mine from a year ago, which was on Tabletop Simulator, I, I wouldn't watch that now, because the game has changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, my initial impression when I first played Marrakesh is that it might just become my number one favourite Steffenfeld game. Now, I know that's a big statement to make, um, because Trajan has been my number one Feld game for quite a while, but the first time I played this, as I say, a year ago, I was like, oh wow, this was so good, this might become my new Steffenfeld number one game. And then I thought, hang on a minute, Paul, calm down. You've only played it once. Stop getting carried away with yourself. Um, but I was very curious to see what I thought when I played it a second time. And I played it on Saturday and I was like, this is so good. So yeah, this, this very much might become my favourite Feld game. Uh, I have now played it twice. Once, as I say, a long time ago, and then once on Saturday. And I'm playing it twice more today. Uh, and I know I said at the start that I'm being sponsored by Queen Games to produce videos on it. But putting that aside... Marrakesh, I think, is, is a fantastic game. Out of the four City Collection games that are coming out, this is the only new one. The other three are all re-implementations of, of old games, uh, and you're going to find out more about this. As I say, I'm going to be doing a practice game of it this afternoon, and I'm going to be doing a live stream of it tonight. So if you want to know more about Marrakesh, it is a bigger box than the other ones. It is a heavier game than the other ones. That's not why I like it. Um, I'm just saying that the, the core mechanisms of it were... They're just really, really good. So yeah, so that's that's Marrakesh. Will it become my number one favourite Steffenfeld game? We'll see. I mean, certainly after Saturday, I was thinking, oh, this is so good. And after today, it probably will. We'll, we'll see. I, I might have to go back to Trajan and play that again, because Trajan is a lighter game than this, but I do love Trajan, but I think I like this a bit more. We'll see. Right, next up is Micro Macro Crime City. So uh, another game that we played over while I was on holiday in Italy, Micro Macro Crime City, another game which is just so accessible and so easy. You just get the map out, you get the cards and you solve a case. And it takes about, what, 10, 20 minutes to play a game? And it's just really good. It did win the Spiel des Jahres and I can see why. Uh, and we played four cases of it over while we were on holiday. So it was me, Vicky, uh, Alex joined us as well. But yeah, really enjoy Micro Macro macro micro macro crime city uh, got the got the second one in the series but not tried that yet um and we play on we play on advanced mode so if you've got the game and you haven't played and you've only played it a little bit there is the basic mode and there's the advanced mode now the basic mode is where you get this series of cards and it says uh oh somebody's been killed by a fallen piano find the crime scene so what you do is you scour the map uh, and you find where the, the crime scene is and you go, right, the crime scene's there. And then what you do is you flip the card over and it says, yes, the crime scene is at D4. Well done. Um, how, how did the murder happen or whatever? It basically, it gives you a leading question. And you, then you try and look for the answer to that. And you go, oh, there's, there's something there. 
And then you turn the code over and it says, yes, well done. Now, where was the person, where did they go shopping before they got killed or something like, oh, oh right, and then you trace it back. Right, that's the basic mode. And we played with the basic mode the first time we played it and we thought, okay, that's, that's all right, that was fun. And then somebody said, you really need to try the advanced mode. So we were like, oh, advanced mode? What's the advanced mode? And the advanced mode is you basically read the start of the case and that's it. You get no leading questions, you get nothing to follow, you get nothing. And you literally just have to spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes looking at the map and trying to work out the entire case without any prompts. And I thought, well, that's going to be impossible. And it isn't. And it's really good. And it makes the game a lot better. So, yeah, I would recommend always playing on advanced mode. Uh, and you basically, yeah, as I say, you have to look at the map and you have to go, oh, wait a minute, he's there. Oh, and he was there. Oh, and then he went to this shop. Well, why did he go to that? Oh, and now, now he's here. And you piece together the entire case without anything. And then what you do at the end, when you think you've solved it, you then go through the cards and you try to answer them. And I think it's a much better way to play. And a couple of them are quite tricky, um, but it's, it's, you know, nowhere near the level of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, for example. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, very much a game that you can just get out and play for 15 minutes, suitable for families. Uh, and another one of those games which I think is going to be great for the hobby. A little bit like Just One and So Clover uh, and lots of other games in that you can just get them out with people who are not gamers and they can enjoy them and have fun. Okay, next is New York City. So New York City, the third game in the Steffenfeld City Collection. And I know I'm talking a lot about the Steffenfeld City Collection at the moment, and that's because... Over the last three weeks, I've been doing videos one a week on each of them, so I've been playing them. New York City is a re-implementation of Rialto. Now, Rialto is a game which I quite liked, but Rialto was one of the less popular Steffenfeld games. Not saying it's a bad game, there's nothing wrong with it, but Steffenfeld releases games, and some of them, like Castles of Burgundy and things like that, were massively popular. Rialto was one of those ones which wasn't as popular. Um, but still, I enjoyed it, and I liked the way it worked. And New York City is a re-implementation of that. And as well as an updated theme, updated artwork, obviously updated components, they have tweaked some of the mechanisms as well. And the way that you pick up cards in New York City is much, much better than Rialto. In Rialto, you basically got this big line of cards and then every player chose a line of cards. Now there is a draft where you pick up two cards and then it goes around the table and then you pick up another two cards. So I think you've got a lot more again, control over the cards that you get and a lot more decisions. But ultimately, the main gameplay is is, is very similar. Um, New York City is certainly, uh, of the four games that I've covered, Hamburg, Amsterdam, New York City and Marrakesh, New York City is definitely the lightest one. And unlike a lot of Steffenfeld games, it's not so much of a point salad. You are scoring very few points during the game because a lot of the points in New York City will come from, at the end of the game, you're scoring for the six different boroughs in New York. Uh, and you, or Boroughs or districts, I can't remember what they're called. It might be boroughs. Um, so a lot of the game is all about just placing things on the board, building your skyscrapers and everything else, adjusting the, the, the points values of each of the areas, uh, and then at the end they will score. So yeah, quite different from a lot of his other games. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, so that's New York City. Next is PowerCore Call of Cthulhu. Now, I'd played this a couple of times last month in order to practice because I was doing a video on it um, for Board and Dice. And I've played a couple of games of it this month, uh, specifically one just before we did the live playthrough 
Uh, and then we did the, in fact, I think it's three games actually. I think I've forgotten to record one of them because on the night we did the live playthrough, there was a public live playthrough, which is on the channel, but then we did another game straight after that for Patreon supporters only. Now, Power Core Call of Cthulhu, if you haven't heard of it, it was on Kickstarter, but unfortunately Board and Dice uh, cancelled the campaign after a day. And I've got, I've got bad feelings about that. And the reason why I've got bad feelings about it is a few reasons. First of all, I've known the people at Board and Dice for a few years. Some of them I've known for, for, for many years. So I know some of the team that have been behind the game. And I know the amount of hard work and I know the amount of effort they've put into it. And they've obviously asked me to cover the game. They asked a lot of content creators. Uh, lots and lots of content creators did sponsored videos for this game. So they put in a lot of effort into the marketing of the game. And then within 24 hours, they cancelled the campaign because it wasn't doing very well. And the reason why I've got bad feelings about that is I actually thought the game was really good. Um, and it's a shame that it just didn't get its traction. Um, and I know I shouldn't have bad feelings. That's not me. I did my job. You know, they asked me to create a video. I did a video. We played it. We showed the game off. We showed that it was a good game. You know, why should I have bad feelings about it? It's, it's mainly because I'm the kind of person that, 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 gets bad feelings on behalf of somebody else. And I can just imagine the team at Board and Dice who saw it not going well, and then the fact that they had to pull the Kickstarter. And I'm like, but you've spent ages on this. You know, I can see the amount of time and effort that's gone into it. And I, I, I kind of felt bad for them. Um, but anyway, that that's on the channel. Now, I don't think the game's dead. I think they're gonna relaunch it at some point. Uh, they're gonna have to do something regards to the pricing, because I know they took uh, they took a lot of feedback on about the fact that it, it was quite expensive for a card game. And it's a card game in which you actually get not that many cards in a deck. But the way I see it is, sure, I might only get, was it 16 cards in a deck or something like that? But the cards are all unique. The cards have all got individual artwork. It's not like, for example, you know, oh, here, here's, here's a trading card game with a 60 card deck. But actually, you've only got 20 different cards and you've got three copies of each. Nothing wrong with that. I play those games. But when you're looking at unique cards, it's a slightly different thing. And to me, I've over the years, I've gone off the card games where you've got a big deck of cards and you never get through them. The fact that this is a small deck of cards and if your deck runs out, then it's game over, you will generally go through it. Anyway, I won't talk too much about it because, as I say, the Kickstarter has been cancelled uh, and I know they're looking at it and they're looking at relaunching at some point but I don't quite know the full details of that. But it's a shame, because I did enjoy the game. Regicide is next. This is a game which I played a few times while I was away in Italy, and I don't actually own a physical copy of Regicide. What I have is I have a pack of cards. So you can play Regicide with a pack of cards. I will very, very likely pick up the actual copy of Regicide uh, when I find it somewhere on sale. But at the moment, I've just made my own copy with a pack of cards. And although I've logged four plays of Regicide, that doesn't count all of the solo games that I've played on Board Game Arena. So you can play the solo mode of it on Board Game Arena. In fact, you can play the multiplayer mode of it on Board Game Arena. There's a free implementation online. Played it a few solo times, a couple of times, I think, while I was on holiday, uh, and then also played it two-player and three-player while I was away. I, I enjoy Regicide. Um, it is a very good game uh, and it is relatively simple to play, but it's got some really interesting choices. And Regicide is one of those games where I think, oh, th this is a game that people should play more instead of certain other games, okay? So there are many, many games out there in, in, in the hobby uh, and a lot of those games 
you don't really have many decisions. You just kind of follow through a process and it's not requiring much much thought. And Regicide is one of those games where you actually have to make decisions and those decisions are important. So yeah, I really enjoy Regicide. For those people who don't know, it is a game which you can use for a, with a normal pack of cards. It's one to four player game where the objective of the game is that you're trying to kill all of the jacks, then all of the queens, then all of the kings. But it's a card playing system where you basically on your turn you play certain cards from your hand. The value of the card is how much damage it deals to the uh, the thing that you're currently fighting. Um, but then the suit gives a special ability. Uh, and it's just really clever in the way that it works and it doesn't take long for the game. The solo game I find particularly hard to do. Um, and I'm curious to see if, if you've played Regicide, let me know what player count you've played it at because there are scaling for the player counts but I certainly have found the solo game to be extremely hard to play, uh, whereas I think the three-player game I have actually won once. So yeah, let, let me know what you think about it. Is, is certain player counts easier or harder? So that's Regicide. Next on the list is Rock Paper Wizard, which as you might suspect from the name of the game that this is not gonna be the most serious game. This is a small box game published by WizKids Games. This game was one of the ones that some of my patron supporters said, oh Paul, we'd love to see you playing this game because we really don't think it's your kind of game and it might be funny. Um, so this was actually on the Friday night after Nick and Gemma had come over uh, and we'd played one of the other games. We had a bit of free time afterwards. So we said, I'll tell you what, let, let's, Let's play another game. You're going to stick around for about half an hour or so. And we decided to play Rock, Paper, Wizard. Uh, so this was this was actually live streamed, but to patron supporters only, because it's not really the kind of video that I would do a public live stream of. Not because of the game, just because it was very much uh, a, a sort of laid back. We're going to get the game out. We're going to open it up and everything else. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, there is a, a, a video online that you can get access to of us playing Rock, Paper, Wizard. We learned how to play it from the rulebook and, and then we played it. Uh, this is a fun Dungeons and Dragons style game where you're basically, you're all party members uh, and you've, you've got access to the Dragon's Horde and you're all fighting against each other. You're all wizards uh, and you're casting spells on each other to push each other backwards um, and you're trying to get money from the Dragon's Horde. That's basically what it is. Now the way that the game plays is that each round there are a number of spells available on the table and each spell has a particular hand gesture and then what you do is you decide which of those spells you want to cast who you want to cast it at, and then you basically put your fist out and you go rock, paper, wizard, and when you say the word wizard, you reveal the gesture and the person that you're casting it at. And then all of the spells resolve in player order. So some of the spells, as I say, will push people backwards, some of them will steal their gold and things like this. And, and that's basically the game. And then at the end of each round, whoever's closest to the, the, the Dragon's Horde will get money, uh, and, and things like that. And you play until somebody's got a certain amount of money. But it was fun, it, I, you know. It did exactly what I thought the game was going to be. It was it was a silly game. It was a fun game, but mechanically it worked. There are some silly games out there that I think are actually badly designed and they don't work mechanically. This one, it, it worked. So yeah, it was a fun game that, that worked mechanically and there was nothing wrong with the design of the game. It's obviously not a game for everybody, um, but I think it was quite fun and it would be better with more players. I think it takes up to six. We played it with three. And I don't think three we got the full, the full enjoyment of the game. I think I think definitely you could play. I think it would be better with six players, maybe four, five, or six players. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit lacking with three. But anyway, that's uh, that's Rock Paper Wizard. Next is Sabika. 
the box is there. Sabika arrived. Ludanova uh, were kind enough to send me a preview copy of the game. Um, and I've done an unboxing video of it this week, but that was a very different unboxing video because I'd actually played it on Saturday. So on Saturday, last Saturday, when people came over, Adrian came over in the evening and we did a playthrough of Sabika. So again, if you're a patron supporter of mine, uh, there, you, you have access to that. Me and Adrian got the game out, we learned how to play the game, and then we played a two-player game of it. Now, I'd already planned to do an unboxing video this week, and how can I do an unboxing video when I've already got the game out, I've already unboxed it, I've already played it, I've already bagged up all of the components and I've put it back. But I did, I, I did an unboxing video of it, um, but what I did is I basically, I gave an overview of the game and I showed off the game components. Um, Sabika is by the designer of Bitoku. Bitoku is uh, one of my favourite games from last year, possibly my number one game of last year. I don't quite, I still haven't quite decided, and I probably should since we're in September. Um, but I was very much looking forward to his next design, and it is a solid, medium weight Euro game uh, about the construction of the Alhambra. And there's a lot of rules in it which are very thematic in the way that it works, including the spending resources to carve poems into the wall of the Alhambra. But it's generally, it's a solid Euro game with a number of interlocking mechanisms where you're doing lots of things. If you want to know more about it, check out the unboxing video that I did. Because as I say, it wasn't just an unboxing video, it was an unboxing video and an overview of, of how the game plays. Did I enjoy my game? Yes, I did. I very much enjoyed my game of it and I'm very much looking forward to playing it again. We played it at two player and two player was absolutely fine. Um, there's almost no player interaction in the game, so I know that's a big turn-off for a lot of people. Um, it's just when you're moving your workers around the rondelle, if there is another worker on the same space that you want to go to, you have to pay a coin. You don't pay it to them, you just pay it to the bank. But that's not really player interaction. There's nothing the players can do to really interact with each other directly. There's just uh, rewards for whoever gets to a certain place at a certain time. But that's fine with me. I don't mind games like that at all. It's all about optimising your moves, trying to do the best thing you can. And I think there's a lot of variability with the game in terms of the Sultan's favour tiles and the trade card and whichever comes up that you need to look at each game and go, right, what's my approach going to be in this game? So yeah, lots of variability in the setup. Yeah, Sabika, two to four play game, but there is a solo mode as well. So I will be doing a vote on the Patreon page uh, for which solo game you want me to cover. And that's going to be on the list. So I might be covering the solo mode of it at some point. Right, that's Sabika. Moving on to So Clover. I've played So Clover at least four times in the last month. I've possibly played it more because I kind of forget sometimes to record my plays of it. And also, if you're getting together for So Clover and you decide to play one, two or three rounds, I still, I still log it as just one play of So Clover. Um, but yeah, So Clover is in the same category for me as just one in that it is a game which you can use on gamers and you can also use it on people who don't play games and it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's very simple to teach, it's yeah, it's very fun to play uh, and it's, it's just enjoyable. So yeah, so Clover and Just One, as I say, they're in the same category. It's the same publisher, different designer, but they're both very different games. They're both word games, they're both easy to teach and they're both a lot of fun, but they are, they are very different games. Um, out of those people who are watching this video, if you've played just one and you've played So Clover, which is your favourite and why? Because I'm not sure which is my favourite out of the two. Um, it might be just one, but then again, So Clover is really good. Yeah, so I can't decide. Let me know what you think. Right, moving on next is Spirit Island. 
I've played Spirit Island twice in the last month and it was digital. So there was one night a couple of weeks ago where I did a Patreon-only stream of me playing basically computer games. Uh, and Spirit Island was uh, one of the games that I played that evening. And I did two games of it. And we played one game with uh, a spirit which I know. I played a solo game, so just one spirit, one island. And it went all my way. It, it absolutely, the whole game just went my way. Uh, I was the one that generated lots of fear. And, and it just really worked out. And I, and I won the game relatively easily. Then I did another game with a spirit that I don't know so well. And it just went horribly, horribly wrong. So I kind of want to go back to it with that spirit again. Because I hadn't played that spirit before. I didn't really know what I was doing. And everything went against me. But Spirit Island, I absolutely love the game. Spirit Island is in that list of games. Which, to be honest, if you asked me, Paul, you can only keep 10 games in your collection. Maybe 20. Okay. Paul, you can only keep 20 games in your collection and you can only play those for the rest of your life and you are never allowed to play anything else. Spirit Island would be in there. I love the game so much and there is so much variability and there's so much replayability with the game um, that I think it's fantastic. It's my number one cooperative game. Uh, although, saying that, I think two to three players... Two players is the best player count for me. Three players at a push... I wouldn't really want to play it at four unless everybody really knew what they were doing because it would just make my brain explode. And whilst I enjoyed the solo game for a bit of a challenge, I think the game shines with two and three players because it's how the spirits interact with each other. Um, but anyway, yeah, Spirit Island, and I use the digital adaptation because the digital adaptation of the game is fantastic. So if you're interested in Spirit Island uh, and you don't mind playing games digitally, then definitely go and check out the digital version on Steam. Okay, next is the Castles of Burgundy. Now, I've added Castles of Burgundy onto my list of played games because uh, we're currently running a tournament at the moment. On the uh, Slack channel for my patron supporters, we're running a another tournament. Brett is organising the tournament. He's organised uh, a number of tournaments before. And right now, we are playing a Castles of Burgundy tournament. And round one, for me, has just finished. And I managed to win my game for round one. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many games we're playing. But yeah, Castles of Burgundy used to be my number one favourite Steffenfeld game. But then the more I played Trajan, the more I enjoyed Trajan. Uh, and I personally believe that Castles of Burgundy doesn't work as well with two because you can get a skewed distribution of the tiles because not all of the tiles come out. Uh, but Castles of Burgundy, there's no denying it, it's a fantastic game. It's one of the most themeless, purely mechanical point salad games there is. But it is highly rated and, and I love playing it. So yeah, I've played probably 300 games of Castles of Burgundy in my life, most of them using some kind of online platform. Uh, and yeah, game one in the tournament is done. I will keep you posted as to, as to how we get on. Uh, I just managed to pick the win in, in, in my first game. Next, The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. This has been played a couple of times uh, in the last month. Um, and I've got the new version of The Crew, Deep Sea Adventure, what's it called? I'm looking over there to see if it's there. Is it up there? Mission Deep Sea, that's it. Um, and another question for those people who are watching this. If you've played The Crew, uh, search for Planet Nine. Oh, Loki's just come in the room. There you go. Uh, and you've played The Crew, Mission Deep Sea. Which one do you prefer and why? I've got Mission Deep Sea, but I haven't played it yet. Um, I read through the rules on the day I was going to play it, and then I, I was about to go to the club, and I thought, I'm going to take The Crew with me. Come on, are you coming up? Come here. Come on. 
But then I thought, well, maybe I should take the new version. But I was reading through the rules and I was getting a little bit confused. So I thought, no, I'll, I'll just take the base version of the game. Uh, and I've not yet played Mission Deep Sea. But yeah, I'm curious to see which one you prefer if you've played both of them. He's super friendly today, probably because he wants food. Is that what you want? Yeah, he only comes in when he wants food now. And he, he's purring all over and he, he's just basically wanting to get fed. That's all you want, isn't it? Where are you going? No, there's no food over there. That's another microphone. Don't eat the microphone. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, a couple of games of The Crew. Um, and again, The Crew is one of those games that I always seem to be playing... There you go. Bye-bye, Loki. Uh, I always seem to be playing just the first few missions because I'm always playing it with new players. So I've never gone beyond mission five. Every time I've played The Crew, it's always been missions, you know, one to three or one to four or one to five. And then it's like, right, that, that's, that's enough of the game. It's been about an hour. We finish. You know how to play. Great. Off we go. And then next time I play, it's another new set of players. So yeah, I've not really got beyond mission five. Um, but I do want to play the crew. Now, I'm not very good at the crew. Uh, although I like the game, I respect the game, I think it's a genius game design. It requires you to think. Um, it requires a particular type of cleverness and brain that I don't have. Uh, that kind of logical loop of, oh, well, if he's said six and we know that she doesn't have any green cards left, then that means, and I, and I just can't work that out. Um, so the crew is always better when I've got somebody with me explaining what I need to do in the right circumstances, which I know is kind of against the spirit of the game. But yeah, I, I, I struggle at playing the crew well, even though I know the game and I like the game, I'm just never going to be very good at it. Right, so that's the crew. Uh, next up is the last one. The last one on the list in alphabetical order. And unfortunately, it's not going to be a good one. So this is Unstable Unicorns. Now, I played Unstable Unicorns while I was away in Italy. Um, it was there, it was offered, and I thought, well, they've already, they've played Regicide with me and they've played So Clover with me, so they're playing a game of Unstable Unicorns. I should join in. And I knew straight away that I wasn't going to like the game. I didn't know very much about the game, but as soon as it was explained and it was six of us around the table, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. And I don't really want to focus too much on the game other than... It definitely wasn't a game for me. And if you enjoy Unstable Unicorns and you enjoy playing it with people, great. That's great because there are games out there in this hobby for all uh, tastes and whatever you want. But Unstable Unicorns, for me, was a very, very badly designed game. Uh, it's very old school and... <sighs> yeah, I said I wasn't going to be too negative on it, so I probably shouldn't talk too much about it but just it it was it was painful um you know it's i like games that are cleverly designed that have thought that's gone into them and are a bit more than just here's a bit of artwork with some text which is just oh i'm going to steal a card from you or you miss a turn or you draw a card or you know that there's not much in that but it's a popular game people enjoy it it's just not one that I'm ever going to want to play again. Anyway, that's all of the games that I've been playing. So, uh, other stuff that's been on the channel in the last few weeks. I've done some unboxing videos. So I did an uh, unboxing video for Amsterdam, New York City, um, Red Cathedral expansion, which I'm hoping to play at some point soon. Uh, and I did, I did the unboxing video for Sabika as well. I didn't do an unboxing video for Marrakesh. What's coming up in future? Well, as I said, we've got Marrakesh that's happening tonight. Uh, that's coming on the channel. Also, uh, Teletum is supposed to be arriving today. 
Okay, I've had an email today to say that Fe uh, that um, FedEx should be delivering to let them today. It's the new game from Board and Dice. So I'm going to be doing an unboxing video for that next week, and I've got a playthrough of that scheduled for the 23rd. I've also got a playthrough of Woodcraft scheduled. So this is a prototype of Woodcraft. Uh, I'm going to be doing a playthrough of this next Friday. So that's on the 16th. Um, Undaunted Stalingrad should be also with me next week and I have some video coverage of that planned. I'm going to be doing an unboxing video, but I've also got a sort of tutorial and playthrough video planned for it as well. So that's Undaunted Stalingrad. Uh, I've got Rebuilding Seattle, which is a new game coming from WizKids Games that I'm going to be covering at the end of the month. And I'm hoping to fit in a game of Sabika. I'm also hoping to fit in a game of Lacrimosa, because Lacrimosa should be arriving next week. New game from Devere. Uh, so I'll be doing an unboxing video of that and I'm hoping to get that in. I'm basically going to work as hard as I can and I'm going to do as many videos as I can before Essen. Uh, and that is a combination of videos that I've been sponsored to create. For example, the Marrakesh video tonight, the how to play video for Deal with the Devil. But there's lots of other games that I want to cover which I'm not being sponsored for. The Woodcraft playthrough is not a sponsored playthrough. Sabika will not be sponsored. Lacrimosa will not be sponsored. Um, so I'm not just saying, oh, I'm trying to fit in as much paid work as I can before Essen to make loads of money. No, I want to cover lots of these games before Essen because I know that I'm not going to have time after Essen to cover all of the new games that I have before Essen. Plus, don't forget, I'm a gamer. I'm not just a content creator who's here to, you know, make money and make videos and, and all of that lot. I'm a gamer and I have been a gamer for my entire life. I get excited around this time of every year because we've got lots of new games coming out and I'm really excited about those games. So yeah, it's, you know, I'm more excited about getting the games and playing the games than I am about, oh, I'm going to produce these videos that are going to get lots of views. That's kind of a secondary thing. Uh, I just want to get these games played and see what they're like. So yeah, that's what's happening. Um, yeah, what else? Um, Patreon update. Right, let's, let's move on from the games. Let's talk about the Patreon update. Um, so last month, unfortunately, uh, like June, like July, August saw the trend continue. So Patreon at the moment is on a bit of a bit of a downslide for reasons which are fairly obvious. So the global situation is affecting everybody. Certainly, we've got the energy crisis as well, which is affecting everybody. So you know, most of the people that are leaving the Patreon are having to do so for you know legitimate reasons, and that's absolutely no problem uh, at all. Uh, a lot of other content creators at the moment are also being hit by uh, their Patreon dropping. There's a couple that I know, uh, some of the ones that I support myself financially, that have had a really good couple of months. Um, but for a lot of people, including myself, Patreon support has been slightly dropping. So I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has stuck with me as a Patreon supporter. And if you are ever in the financial situation where you're going to struggle, then I have no problem if you uh, either cancel your support or drop your support to a lower level. Please don't feel that you need uh, to keep supporting me if it's going to be a problem for you. But if you are able to support me, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm going to put on screen now a list of all of the new supporters that have joined me in August. So yeah, a big thank you to uh, all of the new people that have joined me in August. Again, this is just a list of the new people. It doesn't show the list of people that have left, which is a lot bigger than this. Um, but yeah, a big thank you to all of you that have started supporting me recently and those of you that have increased your pledge level. But also, as I mentioned, a big thank you to everybody who has stuck with me uh, during these difficult times. So that's where we are with Patreon at the moment. Now, one thing that I did want to talk about with the Patreon is I had a goal of when I reached 800 supporters, I would do something special. I did reach 800 supporters back in December of last year. Uh, we are still 
around the 800 supporter mark. So the Patreon hasn't really increased in the last nine months. In fact, as I say, it's been it's been dropping slowly. Um, but that goal that I had of getting to 800 supporters, I still want to do. And there's a couple of reasons why I haven't done it. And one of them is, is mainly time. But my plan is, and I, and I decided to set myself a goal of doing this when I got to 800 supporters, and I do want to do it because it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of work, but it'll be fun, is I'm going to go through my entire collection and I'm going to put the games against each other on a head-to-head -head battle, and then I'm going to pick one, and this is all going to be live-streamed. But the other reason I've not done it yet, apart from not having the time, is I don't quite know how to do it. So my, my initial idea for this was, let's say I've got 700 games in my collection. I put those 700 games into an Excel spreadsheet, and I, I order them randomly. And then I go, right, from games one and two, which is the best one? And I pick one, and that goes through to the next round. Out of the next two games, which is the best one? Out of the next two games, which is the best one? etc etc so after round one i have done 350 evaluations now that's going to take if we say i managed to do let's say i managed to do one every five seconds that's 20 in a minute how long is it going to take me to do 350 hmm. okay let's say we're not going to do 20 in a minute let's say we do 10 a minute that means in 10 minutes i'll do 100 that means in an hour i'll do 600 well, I should, that, that means I should get the whole thing done in an hour. Oh, it's not going to be as long as a video as I thought. Anyway, that's my idea, okay? All of the games into an Excel spreadsheet, randomise the order, and then pick the top two, which one wins? Then the next two, which one wins? And then we do round two, and we do the same again. And eventually, we will filter it down, and I'll end up with my best game, right? Which is going to be Mage Knight. We know that. Um, but it's going to be a fun thing to do, uh, and, and that's what I plan to do. But there is a there is a tool called PubMeeple. Now PubMeeple is used by a lot of people to generate their top 100 lists or their top 10 lists because PubMeeple does something very similar and it takes your BGG collection and it presents you these choices and says which game do you want to pick. But PubMeeple doesn't just do it once at a time. PubMeeple will do it over a number of questions. So for example if I do my, my 700 game collection it will be 350 questions then it'll be 175 questions, then it will be, you know, 90 questions, then it'll be 45, then it'll be, in other words, you know, and it works out that it will probably be about 600 questions in total, something like that. If I do it on PubMeeple, it's going to be about 3,000 questions, which is basically mean it, the video is going to be five times as long. So I'm not quite sure. And the reason I'm going on about this now is A, to remind you that I still want to do this, I just don't know when I'm going to do it, and B, if you've got any ideas of how I can do this the most efficiently that will actually be a fun video, please let me know. I am very curious to see what you think about it and if you've got any ideas about how I can do this. Right, other things. Uh, so a couple of other things. First of all, uh, I want to talk about the podcast. Um, I don't talk about the podcast that much, but for those of you that don't know, I do a podcast. Now, it isn't new content. The podcast is basically an audio version of this video log and an audio version of the live Q&A. And if you're listening to this on podcast, you already know about the podcast. But if you don't, uh, there is a podcast available. Um, so you can search on whatever podcast provider you use for the new Gaming Rules podcast. If you find my old one from a few years ago, then it's not that one. I don't, I don't do that anymore. 
Uh, but the new one is basically audio versions of the live Q&A and the audio versions of the video log. So if you're somebody who's watching this video and thinks, oh, actually, it would be easier if I was to listen to this as a podcast, um, then just search for the podcast and you should find it. If you can't find it, let me know, but it should be there. Um, now, speaking of the podcast, uh, one of my podcast listeners, uh, Mike Howes, Mike was listening to uh, one of my podcasts, which was the live Q&A from July, um, where somebody asked me in the live Q&A about which game would I like to see me appear as a character or something like that. And I gave some ideas at the time and one of the suggestions was Arkham Horror the Card Game. And what Mike's done is Mike has actually created for me a custom investigator for me for the Arkham Horror LCG. I'm going to put some pictures on screen now. Uh, so thank you very much, Mike, for creating these cards for me. Uh, and if anybody wants these cards, uh, then I can make them available as, as print and play um, if, if you're interested. But yeah, thank you very much, Mike. It's really nice to see that uh, done. Uh, and the cards were very thematic. I, I liked the way that they were based around me and, and my life. Uh, and Thor and Loki have got their own card as well. Yeah, so thank you very much for that. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention, really, before going into the personal update, is the sword situation. Now, there's been a lot of controversy over the last few weeks on various social media board game platforms of the fact that Chip Theory Games have decided to send uh, a number of swords to a number of content creators. I'm lucky in that I'm one of those people that has been chosen by Chip Theory Games to receive a sword, and it is literally a sword with um, a custom engraving of gaming rules. Now, I didn't know I was getting this. Chip Theory Games decided that they were going to do this as a nice gesture uh, and they were going to send it. Now, a lot of content creators have got this, right? It's not just me. And in fact, it's not just 10 people. There are a lot of content creators that have got a sword. I don't know what process Chip Theory Games used to decide who got their sword and who didn't get their sword. And I, I know for sure that there are a number of content creators out there who are seriously jealous. I mean, not just jealous in a way of, oh, Paul's getting a sword, oh, I wish I had a sword. They're really, really angry about the fact, well, hang on a minute, I reviewed a Chip Theory Games game, why aren't I getting a sword, okay? Now, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in that position because I, I got a sword, but the amount of videos that I've created for Chip Theory Games you know, the Burn Cycle one was sponsored, but how many hours worth of Too Many Bones videos have I created? I lost track. I mean, how many times did I play it? I don't know, probably about 60 hours worth of content of Too Many Bones. Um, none of that was sponsored. No, So, you know, there is a big difference between somebody doing a review of a game, which is a few hours work, to me producing 60 hours worth of playthroughs of a, of a game. So, you know, I certainly... You know, I'm very thankful that I'm getting a sword. It's a very cool thing, uh, and I'm very appreciative of it. But all of the controversy has been that this is a deliberate attempt by Chip Theory Games to buy favourable reviews. That is the biggest piece of nonsense that I have ever heard. And I'm sorry, but if you're watching this video and you seriously think that Chip Theory Games have deliberately decided to give these gifts away in order to buy favourable reviews... I can understand why you would think that, okay? I can totally get that. And if it was another publisher and they were doing it, then I might think the same. However, the reason why I'm saying it's nonsense is because I know the team at Chip Theory Games, right? I know them, I get on with them well, I chat with them. 
and this is not their intention. Now, I'm saying that hand on heart, it is my personal belief that this is not their intention. If it is their intention, then they're being very sneaky about it. But as I say, I know the people at Cheap Theory Games, I know what they're like as a company, and I know what they're like as people. And when they did this, they did this because they wanted to celebrate, they wanted to give something back, they wanted to do something cool and different. That's what they were thinking about. This isn't a deliberate marketing attempt for me to say nice things about their games, okay? I will say nice things about their games if I enjoy their games. If I don't enjoy their games, I won't say nice things about their games. It is not going to affect me whatsoever. Am I happy that they're sending me a sword? Yes. Um, will it make me treat them any differently? Will it make me say nicer things about them? No. But as I said, I already like them as people. I already like them as a company. I already like their games. I already cover their games. So is it going to make me change my mind on that? Absolutely not whatsoever. It's just how it is. I just wanted to give my thoughts on it. The sword is on the way. Uh, I received the tracking notice. It hasn't left America yet, and there's probably going to be issues with it arriving in the UK. But the sword hasn't arrived yet. When it does arrive, I will cover it on the channel. Um, but yeah, if, if you think I'm somebody who's going to be swayed by receiving gifts like this, then, then I'm not. Ending on a positive note, let's go back to the games. So many games that I'm looking forward to in the next few weeks. Marrakesh tonight, gonna love that. Uh, Teletum, new game from Daniel Tashini and Simone Luciani, published by Board and Dice. I know very little about it. I'm probably going to love it. Uh, Undaunted Stalingrad, uh, that I'm going to be covering as well. Woodcraft, new game from Vladimir Suhi and Ross Arnold. Well, always like Vladimir's games, so really looking forward to this one. So, yeah, all of the problems aside, as far as the games go, I am very much looking forward to all of the games that I'm covering in the next few weeks, and I hope you are too. Next video log will be done after I get back from Essen. So I'm going to Essen at the very start of September, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get a video log done before I go to Essen. So it will be after Essen. Um, so yeah, I'll come back from Essen with a whole bunch of new games. We will see. Right, thank you very much for watching, and as mentioned at the start, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters that fund the channel. Uh, without the, the support of the Patreon campaign, there is no channel, and I'll probably have to go and find a job as a taxi driver. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, a big thank you to all of you for supporting the channel. Uh, and as always, please leave me a comment in the video if you've got any thoughts on anything that I've said. But for now, I'm going to disappear. Until next time, take care and thanks for watching. Bye bye.